0: Hey, gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with entrepreneurs and founders about the beginning stages of their journey. How did they get over the hump? How did they overcome the fear? What were the things that they dealt with in the early stages of going through their business starting? And then how did they kind of push forward um, of all those different things that we go through? You know, so I appreciate the vulnerability on a lot of the guests here. And, and this episode's no different. Uh, my guest today is Mick Carbo. He is the founder and head coach of Carbo Coaching, um, and their website is carbocoaching.com, C-A-R-B-O coaching.com. He's an entrepreneur, leadership coach, trainer, speaker. He coaches other coaches as well as coaching you know, mostly businesses, and just a really neat story, very interesting individual. So certainly appreciate him coming out and sharing a lot of stuff, especially around relationships, parenting, his marriage, and you know how that all intersects with his business because his wife is uh, part of the business with him. So they both do coaching and um, help organizations. So um, really enjoyed the conversation with Mick. I know you all will too. So let's jump right into it. Uh, without further ado, my chat today with Mick Carbo. Let's get it started. Mick, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Uh, Thank you so much,
1: Brian. It's a pleasure, man. I'm excited about this.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you again. I know we caught up briefly before, so uh, look forward to peeling back some of the onion layers, as I like to say, and kind of getting into it. Um, You know, I always like, because, you know, whether I do a good intro or not, who knows? I like to hear from your thoughts, like maybe the 30 second overview for everyone listening in. You know, the the whole question like, hey, what do you do for a living? Answer that question for everyone listening in so they have some context as we're getting in the uh, episode
1: yeah sure uh thanks i um i work with blue collar company leaders uh mostly in the construction industry around creating thriving cultures as a strategy for growth okay uh, I find that there's uh there's a lot of different things to invest in to grow a company from uh you know processes and equipment and um uh, sales and marketing and things like that. And we go a little bit of a different route. We, uh, we believe that people are a company's number one most important asset because regardless of what the industry or the, the, the company rather is selling uh, and whatever processes need to be um, uh, ran to build the business, people are always the uh, fuel that drives the engine. So our belief is if we're investing in people, and, uh, the relationships or the, the culture within that structure, uh, it actually helps the business grow.
0: It's interesting. It's, you know, it seems like, and, and I don't want to uh, talk for you. So I'm curious your thoughts on this. I picked up something last time we chatted, but it seems like the, the people, the family aspect, that's a big part of your life. Cause it, you and I actually aligned on stuff when you told me before we were chatting about like, hey, I want to have a family at an early age, I want to be married, like stuff like that. And I thought and like that too, as a kid, like when I was growing up, I always kind of wanted that. Maybe it's because I did not have a great upbringing. Um, no offense, my parents, they were good parents, but like, I didn't have a great family life, you know, um, I don't know how, how you came across that notion uh, when you were young. I'm curious, if you can share a little bit more.
1: You and I are very similar, Brian, actually. Uh, I, I, I knew my parents loved me. And my parents are great, too. I've, uh, I've, relationships with, with them and, and talk to them often. And, you know, everything is great. And at the same time, they, they didn't love each other, you know, like it was like growing up in a war zone. I actually just uh, made a really, um, uh, I'm I'm playing around with this on LinkedIn. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how appropriate it is yet, but I, I created this really vulnerable post on LinkedIn. And I've actually gotten a ton of engagement on it. So that was cool. Uh, But I shared about this in particular that, um, you know, it was like, uh, it was like growing up in a war zone, man. My, um, my parents uh, divorced when I was 12 years old, I think. Uh, The summer I was going into seventh grade. And uh, my sister, uh, she's my half sister. So we have the same mom, different dads. She's 11 years older than I am. So at that point in time, she was 19 and had moved out to go to college when she was 18, right? So I had this, this experience when I was a kid that my big sister left me and went off to college. And she left me in this, like, this war zone, man. Uh, you know, was um, uh, very verbally abusive and uh, it sucked, dude. Like, it was it was just a really hard time. And uh, uh, I think what I learned from that was I want it to be different. Like, I want to be the one in my family to, to shift that sort of generational trauma, you know? Because it was like that in, in both of my parents' families growing up, too. And I just made this decision early on, man. Like, this is not going to happen. It's not going to happen like this anymore. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a family and I'm, and I'm not going to be like them. Right. And, you know, what I've learned about uh, human development, and I think this is uh, one of the things that really attracted me to coaching because, you know, essentially that's what coaching really is, is just a relationship between people in a, in a particular context. Right. Um, But uh, uh, what I what I learned is like I actually did become like them in a lot of different ways, you know, and that sucked. And I, and I looked back and I was like, Hey, I can't, I can't let this this keep happening. I can't let this go on. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. So I really dove headfirst into personal development, leadership development, reading books, you know, finding mentors and coaches in my life and, and, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Like my, I think if I was to choose one word to describe who I am, it would be family, you know? I think it's so super important. And um, if you think about the culture of an organization, that's what it is. And everybody says that cliche. We're, it's like a family here. We're like a family environment. But if you really think about what that means, there's a lot of dysfunction going on in families. Right? So family doesn't necessarily mean perfect and drama free. So uh, uh, yeah, one of the things that I've uh, learned growing up is you know, we have to be uh, able to sort of lean into conflict and learn how to have healthy conflict. And I like to say, be able to make a mess and then be able to clean it up at the same time.
0: And I appreciate you being vulnerable there, because you and I are very similar in that regard because I grew up, my parents divorced when I was, I, I don't even remember now. I think I was 10, maybe, you know, something like that, maybe 11. What was funny is I joke with them now about it is they got divorced and then they got remarried like two, three years later. And then they got Dude, divorced like was... seven years after that. For I was like, you guys are divorced twice from each other. Come on. Um, and, but, but that's fine. But the, the and, and to your point, like, I guess I didn't think of it describing it as a war zone, but yeah, it was challenging because, you know, what I'd realized, and, I'm, and, and I think you're similar in this regard, is like, I'm kind of the, the emotional intelligence guy. Like, I get it. I understand. Like, I, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I, I understand when other people are feeling a certain way. Like, I've just always had that. And in my upbringing, similar to yours, my parents never, like, I don't remember, I rarely remember my dad if ever saying he loved me. And I know he loves me, you know, but I never remember that. And that always hurt as a middle child. That always hurt me because I was like, well, am I getting the attention? And then that whole thing. And that was hard to overcome. And exactly to your point, and i bet a lot of people listening in probably had a similar upbringing. I said, nope, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be the best dad in the world, whatever. And the first couple of years, you know, my son's almost eight now. I don't, don't, I'm not saying I was a bad dad because I think I was was a really good father, but there was a lot of hiccups in the process. I I definitely messed up a ton and I caught myself several times, not only as a, uh, as a father, but also as a husband. Um, Now, my, my wife and I separated about a year and a half ago, but actually the, probably the reason we did and we get along so well now is because of going through that, you know, as a kid, because I was like, I don't want to go through this in the next 10 years you know and just kind of you know butt heads about stuff so i think we were smart about it and adults about it so it's interesting you know like maybe maybe i did learn Same with you maybe you learn it took a little longer but we you changed that generation um from before to to the better i don't know your thoughts on that
1: uh yeah man i uh uh one hundred percent agree. Like uh, I've I've noticed in in my relationship with my wife too. You know I was uh, uh, I made some mistakes. You know and and caught myself like you said. I think that with me and my wife there's like and she she says this too. We 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 tell the story a little bit differently the way that we got together and how we've stayed together and stuff like that. But there are like many common themes throughout the way that we tell the story. And one of them is that that we that we're both like. Hard-headed enough to just keep going. Um, and, um, yeah, man, I guess, I guess what I would say to that is like, uh, there's gotta be, there's gotta be this decision at some point, like that not only are things going to be different, but you're going to work on it, you know, and that, and that's really uncomfortable in a lot, a lot of different cases, man. It's not, it's not easy stuff to, I love what you said to, to wear your emotions on your sleeve and to and to be vulnerable these are these are things that so many people especially men in the world today that are are, are too uncomfortable to to be with they're just just unwilling you know and i think that there's this necessity to put ourselves under the microscope and and be willing to share about these things and and talk openly about it so as to get support you know, I think that that's what family is all about—is being surrounded by other people who have different thought processes, different skill sets, people who can give us advice, and and also who are willing to uh, have compassion for where we are and who we are.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to it almost as a, as you know, kind of a side note though, with like entrepreneurship and stuff like that. You talk about coaching. I think nowadays, I've noticed this with some of the circles that I run with now way different than it was 10 years ago. And and definitely, I mean, I was in high school and stuff 20 years ago, but like way before that, where, you know, it was kind of like, if you're not that there weren't mentors and all that stuff, I'm not saying that, but it seems like the sharing economy in terms of idea sharing and mind melding and your mastermind, like that's a big thing nowadays. Like people want to share, people are open about giving away content. People are because they understand, like it takes a, a village, if you will, to improve. No one gets there. Instead of maybe the old mentality is like, no, I'm doing this, kind of hard headed, like I, it's only me. Like I don't need anyone else. So I think that's changed a little bit as well. And maybe it is from a generation standpoint, slowly evolving. Uh, you know, it, it seems like that's that's the case at least. I'm sure you probably see that too. People are more open for coaching they're more open to get advice and outside help versus nope, we're going to solve this ourselves. you know, we're going to barrel down the hatches. We're going to lock the doors and we're going to solve this from the inside. Like people are welcoming others in to, uh, to help in that regard. Yeah, it's really,
1: it's really awesome. And to, and coaching is really only about a 40 year old profession, by the way. Um, Not that these types of conversations haven't happened in, in business and in other contexts, but uh, as a, as a, like a professional title, uh, whether it be leadership coach or executive or life coach, even, uh, it, it's only been around about 40 years, but, uh, I think you're right. I think these things were like, you mentioned the word mastermind and immediately Napoleon Hill came to mind. Uh, I don't know if you have ever read think and grow rich, but it's like, you know, they call, they call Napoleon Hill, like the, the, the grandfather of like the self-help movement or, or something like that. And, um, uh when and and he wrote that book back in i believe the 1920s or 30s like mm-hmm. right around a, a little bit after the depression but back then and i'm really fascinated by all of this stuff uh and especially tracing back like self help or personal development or whatever way back to the to the roots because in essence it's a lot of the same stuff just repurposed and added to or put on put a, a different spin on it by by other smart folks along the way right but way back then they there was a there was a there were groups of people who would keep this stuff under wraps so that they could like you know use use like the concepts of mastermind and stuff like that for their own gain but then they they wouldn't go and promote it out in the world you know, so that uh, that they could be the ones with all the glory, I guess. But then, then you know, Napoleon Hill came along, and he was commissioned by uh, by uh, Andrew Carnegie to interview uh, twenty five or so of the most uh, successful business leaders in the in the world at the time, and then and go disseminate that information. Let's go teach people how to be successful. So I think that over the last, you know. 80 or 90 years or so, we've been progressing up to this point. And certainly to your point, within the last decade, I think it's, it's been like throwing gasoline on the fire. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a similar experience to you. I mean, when I literally, literally, when I, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, my thought was, I don't need anybody's help. I don't need to go to college. I certainly don't need my wacky parents help. I'm going to get out of here and like, I'm going to go do it all on my own. I probably felt like I needed to prove myself in a lot of different ways. Right. But Mm -hmm. I just went out and started a business and learned by falling flat on my face a bunch of times, you know, and, and certainly when I was doing that back then uh, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of information out there that I had access to that anybody was telling me, Hey, Mick, you should go read this stuff or you should go listen to these people. If you want to start a business, there wasn't, anywhere as near as many opportunities to do that as there, there are now. And I think a lot of that has to do with the internet too. For sure. um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, you're, you're totally right, man.
0: Well, and I, and I don't think, you know, the, the folks like I've been following, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk since 2011, you know, nine years, that's a long time I think back and I don't think he gets enough credit just cause he's, you know, when in the grand scheme of the big picture, he's probably a smaller fish Um, I think he's obviously got a bigger name now, but I don't think he gets enough credit for like what he did in the late first decade, you know, of this century and, uh, and, and what he's doing now, like the free content play and, and putting all that stuff, putting keynotes on YouTube and stuff. That wasn't really a thing that happened a lot in 08, 09, 2010, 11, et cetera. He kind of started that, you know, like free content, free content, don't charge people. And now it's a big thing. Uh, Everyone does it but it's interesting. I don't think if many people give him as much credit, I'll give him more. I give him a lot of credit. So I'll give him credit here. Um, but I think that's, a, that's the point of like, just the changing, you know, the changing of thought process, which is helpful for business and entrepreneurs. I mean, we have access to so much information nowadays, which is awesome. Um, you know, that could help us kind of grow our business. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, if I can switch gears, if that's okay, because one of the things that fascinates about you too, again, maybe different than others Um is you have, you've been married for 20 years, right? Or is it more? 22? 22
1: years. 22 years.
0: And you're not (laughs) old either. You're like 40, right? I'll be 40 in July. There you go. So, which is different. A lot of people aren't, you know, they normally get married in their late 20s. Now people are getting married in their 40s for the first time. Um, So I'm curious if you can talk through the journey a little bit and and on two fronts and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, prod through the process. But one is obviously, you know, partnering with your wife in terms of a business. And two is how would you guys navigate? I'm really curious about this with having a couple kids, like how you navigated that process of who's working when, what's the schedule like? Because I think a lot of people struggle with time management and prioritization um, and fitting everything in. You know, some things obviously aren't necessary to fit in. You maybe want to get rid of them, but Let's say you are trying to get everything in. How, how did you do that? Can you start piecing the puzzle together for us and then we'll yeah, run sure. back players?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start I'll start close to the beginning uh, uh, so my now wife wrote me a wrote me a note in ninth grade saying that she intended to marry me, and if I was going to be with somebody else, then I should let her know so she could make other plans. So at that moment, I proceeded to stay as far away from this girl as humanly possible, because who does that in ninth grade? I was like, who is this person? Uh, uh, But there was something about that that struck me. I was like, wow, this this person made a decision about loving and caring for me enough to the point that she would write this letter uh, or this note to me. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I, I stayed pretty far away from her at that point. You know, we had similar friends, uh, but we, and we were friendly and had some classes together and hung out and stuff, but we weren't like dating or anything like that until, uh, until, uh, 12th grade, actually, we ended up getting together. And, uh, then we decided, you know, well, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be together, we might as well do this thing, man. Like we might as well, we might as well get, uh, get married and, and just, be together. So we did, uh, much to our parents, um, uh, discomfort and, 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 you know, uh, dislike. We were like, Hey, we're, we're going to go and get married. And they're like, no, we don't support that. So we said, okay, well, we're going to go to the courthouse then and do it behind your back. Uh, and we did that and they were pretty pissed, but uh, nonetheless, we made it work. Um, and I think that's, uh, uh, you know, to kind of toggle between the two points that. Um, I think you're asking me to make here is, um, it's a choice. It's a decision that, um, uh, that we made both with each other and in our business that we were going to, we were going to do this thing regardless of what happens, regardless of circumstances. Okay. And when somebody has that level of, um, a foundational choice, uh, there's, there's access to, a particular power or drive, whatever you want to call it, to kind of move through whatever obstacle or circumstance comes up to get in the way. Um, so we we uh, we got married uh, uh, a few months later. She got pregnant. Um, we had our uh, had our had our first son uh, about a about a year later. So we have a, a almost twenty one year old, uh, a sixteen year old, and an eighteen year old at this point. So by the time we were twenty three, we had three kids. Uh, and we had uh, started a business um, uh, a year after we graduated from high school. Uh, what, what was the company. business you started? It was a flooring company, a flooring okay, contracting company. So we installed ceramic tile and marble and and did uh, residential work and commercial work. Okay. So at the beginning, the idea was she would stay home with the kids and she helped with the, the bookkeeping and and stuff like that around, uh, you know, uh, child duty you know and I would work my ass off pretty much from from morning until until night you know and uh um then um you know we we decided to uh uh move on and and then she started working together a, a lot more uh with me um so you asked about what we did with the kids I mean first of all, like it takes a, it takes, it takes that choice, like I said, but it also takes a lot of support. Like we had a lot of other people around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we, when, when my kids were really young, we actually lived with a few other roommates uh, and we had, you know, we were, we were in our, our, you know, early to late twenties, like in that, you know, in that first 10 years of Of graduating high school you know and we so we were like we were trying to still have fun and and hang out and you know do a lot of work and manage manage our house full of kids at the same time so we had a couple of roommates we had friends coming through a lot and we had our families that you know even though they were you know they were not really happy about the decision that we made they were still supportive and you know these are their children and grandchildren. So uh, we we leveraged all that support, man. And, and that's kind of how we got through everything.
0: How did you, you know, one of the big things that come up a lot and everyone that's listening goes through this is money and money management. I, my assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, fact check me on this, is that you did not have, it's not like you were rolling in dough in your in your early to mid twenties, right? So how did those conversations go? Like, how how did you and your wife deal with that, especially raising a couple of kids and then you're, you're trying to build this business? Like, was there a, was there a lot of heartache or stress on the relationship? Or did you guys have certain things that you did to make sure that you were on the same page? I think that's, that's where my, my ex and I kind of were off is we weren't, we didn't communicate that well, you know, the communication was off and, you know, unfortunately when the communication gets off, then you it's just a rolling tide of bad things sometimes. So I'm curious how you guys handled it and maybe some advice for others that are in a, in a similar boat.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> this is, this is quite a colorful story, man. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to share it. Uh, but, um, here's, here's the, here's the deal. Like, first of all, the communication thing that you're talking about, we're still working on that 22 <laughs> years later. So, uh, it never gets perfect. It gets better, but it doesn't ever get perfect. Uh, so there's gotta be a lot of work to be done on that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the money, the money aspect of our relationship, man, has been, you know, first of all, in, in a relationship, you usually have somebody who's more of a, you know, uh, more of a spender and one who's more of a saver. Um, And it, and it kind of depends with me and my wife on who's, which on any given, in any given like set of circumstances, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to spend a ton of money on investing in the business and you know, this and that. And she, and she wants to, you know, make the house better and, and, you know, things like that. So we, we have some arguments and stuff like that around, around money and uh, and when is it okay to go and spend, uh, X amount of money? So we kind of put limits on that. There's gotta be a conversation to, uh, in order to, um, uh, uh, spend more than a hundred bucks and, you know, things, things like that, that we've put in a, a, along the way. But uh, so if we back all the way up, um, uh, there was actually a moment, man, um, like I said, at the at the beginning of our relationship, I was doing most of the, the hands-on work, and she was doing most of the back-end accounting and keeping the files straight and, you know, some con- conversating with customers and stuff like that um, and taking care of the kids. Um, and there was a moment when my first son, uh, he was about a year old, so still, like, still, like, not walking proficiently you know he's so I had there was this moment when he was playing I called it his console he had this little toy that he would sit in on the floor and rock back and forth and like play with the little gadgets or whatever so he's on the floor playing and then uh, all of a sudden the lights went out and it was uh, it was the winter time so it was dark and cold in my house and I looked around and I said to myself this is never going to happen again like I won't ever let this happen again." Uh, so I made a few phone calls and uh, actually started selling a little weed. And uh, at first it started being just like a couple hundred dollars a month to um, uh, to keep the the lights on and and you know, food in the house and and everything. And uh, me being the entrepreneurial kind of guy that I am, it it quickly spiraled into somewhat of a, an empire. and uh, uh, to 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 be honest with you, man, I was making money, kind of hands over fist, uh, in my in my you know early to mid to late twenties. Uh, but it was from it was from both selling a lot of weed, like literally tons of it, and uh, you know we were doing pretty well in the in the tile business at the same time too. After the first couple of years of building it up, um, so uh, and you know my wife did have to be on the same she had to be on board with that, you know, otherwise that wouldn't have worked. So she, she supported it. She wasn't like involved in that aspect of the business, but she supported it. Um, And then the inevitable happened, you know, only, there's only one of a couple of different outcomes in, in a, in a story like this, right? Like you either, you either are are the, the 1% of people are able to, you know, get out of the game and, and actually, you know, have a legitimate business to fall back on, or whatever, uh, or you uh, 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 get hurt or you go to jail. Right. So I got arrested at the end of uh, 2007 in October that year, and um, I had to do a little time. Uh, I had Was that to... a shock?
0: Were you shot? Was it like a surprise, or do you feel like, ooh, this is com- something's coming? Like, were there a lot more like crackdowns in that area? And
1: first of all, like, you got to imagine. Imagine, imagine living your life, driving down the highway, looking in the rear view mirror all the time to see if there's, you know, police following you mm-hmm. or any kind of weird stuff happening in the background. Like that's kind of how life was for, for a long time. And I would get up early in the morning. I would go to, I would go and work on a job site. I would come home, shower, change, eat food, and I would go back out and I would do my, you know, do that other business in the, in the evening time. So it was um wasn't uh, well to 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 your question there there was a point, yes, when it felt like something something was gonna happen, uh, and then we we found out later that they were actually uh, they were actually watching me and some of my uh, you know uh, people that we were doing business with for for quite a while, man, almost a year. Um and
0: uh I guess what I, my question, this is more this is more just my curiosity. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think I have to imagine I've never done that, so I don't know. I can only assume. But like when you're in that game, was there any point where you were thinking, like, okay, this is the last time. I gotta stop this, I gotta stop this, or was it just like, okay, I gotta do we'll do one more, we'll do one more. And and eventually you got caught because my I don't I don't know how the whole police thing works. Like, I wonder if you stopped, like, let's say like three times before that you just stopped, like would you have ever got arrested or would they connect you later on down? You know what I'm saying? If they're like, well, he got out of it. Good for him. I mean, like, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious.
1: They, they, they could have, they could have, that could have happened for sure. Like they could have, if I had stopped, they could have came back and, you know, pressed charges on me at some other, some other time, depending on how long it was, you know, in between. Uh, but my, my thing was always, I need to build the legitimate business up to a certain level before I stopped doing this other thing, you know, like I had a certain amount of money that I had saved and I needed to be bringing in a certain level of income in order to, you know, stop selling weed. Uh, and I didn't get to that point, obviously. Um, but, uh, dude, I was, um, I was at, uh, I was at my buddy's house where I uh, was, you know, picking up some product and, uh, the SWAT team busted in. And all of a sudden I had, I don't know, 20 or 30 red lasers pointed at my chest these guys came in with m16s and like it looked it was like some television stuff dude uh if you've ever seen cops or or something like that you know Uh, and then later that night i found out that they actually raided my house and another friend of ours house too so that sucked you know what Um, was the
0: first thought that went to your head literally first thought when when they came in and, and pointed that at you. Do you remember oh,
1: my life is over. Like every, I'm, like I am completely screwed. Like my, it's this is, this is all over. Like I'm going down forever, you know? And it wasn't like that. I mean, it, you know, life sucked for, uh, for, for a few years, but I ended up not having to do too much time, which was, which was good. Uh, uh, I got, I got really lucky, man. The guy that I, um, that I got arrested with, he ran. So, uh, there, they, it kind of messed up their case a little bit, but, um, uh, I ended up having to do a little bit of time. I had to pay a whole lot of money, you know, bail bonds, lawyers, you know, had to be on probation for three years, like all this stuff, man. And ended up losing the house and I had to move all, everybody, my wife and three kids into my mom's basement for, uh, for several years before we got back on our feet and, um, So at that point, that's when, that's when stuff got really bad with money, right? Like we went into about $70,000 in credit card debt paying for life, you know, paying the bills, paying uh, for food, paying for, um, you know, trying to start another business, like everything just went on a credit card, man. And that, uh, that, that was really stressful on both my relationship with my wife and my relationship with the kids, you know, it was, it was, it was like, I don't have, I don't have time for anything except for focusing 100% of my energy on figuring out how we get out of this hole, you know? Um, yeah. And it was, it was bad for a while, man. You know, but.
0: Uh, what, what do you think, what was the big turn what was the big turn to kind of start getting to either dig out of the debt or to change your mindset on, you know, again, not only just being a better father, maybe, or not that you weren't being a good father, but you know, like being present and stuff. Like, was there anything that shifted that, or was it just a slow, gradual, consistent, you know, over a several year period?
1: It it was it was a slower a slower period of time. It was a it was a few years, man. But there was there was a moment when I. I realized that I didn't know it all, you know, and that I needed support. I needed to learn. I needed to practice different things. I needed to, to surround myself with, uh, you know, uh, coaches and mentors and and stuff like that. But I, I just dove headfirst into learning. I started reading books and listening to everything I could possibly get my my hands on for for growth and development. And um, just started seeking answers, you know. And I and I also at the same time I was like, look, I, I need to not only do I need to learn how to grow a business, but I need to have I need to learn how to have a great relationship as a husband and a father, you know. So that's when that's when I slowed things down and and started realizing, hey, I need to I need to be more present with my family, and I need to I need to balance my life a lot more. And we need to get really clear on on money and and things like that too and and you know my wife and i started um uh, there was a big shift a, a few years ago um, when we we decided to have a, a weekly meeting about our finances, and we talked about we talked about the money coming in, the money going out and made projections for uh you know for the next uh uh month it started by month, and then we started looking more further into the future and stuff like that but um, yeah it was it was tough man having to like figure out how to make money again
0: yeah can I can I ask something quick on that before we move on because I have to imagine again because I if I'm thinking it a lot of others maybe as well how did you tell me how those meetings go are they always I'm assuming they're not always perfect um (laughs) I, but like, how do you, how do you, is there like a certain um, cadence in the meeting? Like you speak first and then she does or vice versa. You have a certain period of time to talk about this or that, or what that expense was like, how, how does the conversation, cause I know, like I said, with my ex, like we had a horrible time, like discussing finances and stuff like that. It was always like a argument. Um, and it it just was, I I just don't think we figured it out partially because of our personalities. So I'm just curious if you guys have, maybe you haven't perfected it, but if you got a good way, what would you share? That's been helpful. Yeah, sure.
1: uh first of all those first couple few months were really bad (laughs) just really bad man but we were committed to it I think that's one of the biggest keys is being committed to it and you know sitting down and doing it every single week regardless of what happens you know we'd figure out how to come back together again and and make up and and you know get back there but uh at first it was it was lots of arguing and um yeah it, it was ugly uh but um now, what we and now we've been doing this for, dude, um, this is our fourth year of doing this every, every single week, every week. And um, now we have it to where uh, we just, we look at, um, it's not like a, you know, one person gets to, to talk for a certain amount of time and switch back and forth type of thing. But we know, we know what we're each kind of good at you know and uh so i i keep tabs of like she's she's really good at organizing lists and spreadsheets and stuff like that so she put together the the structure that we use to have the conversation around so to speak and um and i'm the one who makes sure that all the bills get paid on time and the the spreadsheet actually gets filled with the proper numbers and all that kind of stuff and And I'm, and I'm really good at making projections and and things of that nature. So, uh, I will, we'll first get everything straight to, um, uh, around the spreadsheet and fill out, fill in everything. And, you know, which, which bills already came out and what still needs to be paid and what money do we know is coming in when this month. And we have that piece of the conversation and then we'll, we'll go through the, the credit cards because we have, you know, we have, uh, uh, personal credit cards and business credit cards, and we, we just go through together and make sure that there isn't anything that um, is either out of the ordinary or the other person didn't know about, and we'll get clear on all those things. Um, and then um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about um, uh, 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 goals. Like we set a goal at every single meeting. Like we need to, we need to earn X amount of more money this quarter uh, is how we're looking at it. Nowadays in the, the way that we have our business structured uh, and we, and we decide what actions we're each going to take this week in service of that. This is a two hour meeting every Monday morning. Um, we, we just sit down and we knock all of that stuff out. Um, things go much better, much more smoothly. Now we do have our moments still sometimes when, when it's, when it's not uh, working real well, you know, but, um, but things, things work relatively smoothly at this point. And I think it's just because we've, Practice so much, but also we've been we've been willing to to have it go badly too, in service of getting it to go well.
0: Well, one of the things I I I like that you're doing is you've made it a habit. Yeah. Not every Monday morning you're gonna feel like doing it, or she's gonna feel like doing it, but you've made it a habit and it's stuck to it. Again, unlike a lot of others me me included, where you didn't have that. It was kind of like, yeah, we may talk eventually about stuff, you know, and they could always got pushed off or whatever. So. Am I to assume? And I'm not. Again, I'm not good at that. Sometimes, so I won't do it. But are you? Uh, are you also scheduling out like date nights and other time for y'all to get away as well?
1: Totally. I mean, not 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 in the during the current COVID circumstances well, that we're sure. living in now. But yeah, actually, um, there was uh, we um, we we for for almost for a couple of years. Almost actually, we had a scheduled date night during the week. This was separate from whatever we would do on the weekend, but we would have, we would go out for dinner during the week, like on a Wednesday or a Thursday night, and just talk about our relationship. Like we're not allowed to talk about business, we're not allowed to talk about the kids, we're not allowed to talk about the next trip we're taking or anything like that. Like we're talking about our relationship. Uh, so now we we still move forward with that sort of uh, structure, but it's um, it's uh, it's a little bit more lenient, meaning we don't always go out of the house to do that but we make sure that every week we have at least some time where we're talking about our relationship
0: yeah that's really that's really good i think that's so key and i'm sure you've seen an improvement in your relationship by doing that
1: well totally and 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 again like we're not we're not equipped to work everything out on our own either i want to be clear about that like we've we've gotten um you know, outside therapy, like, uh, you know, counseling and stuff like that. We both have coaches we work with. So sometimes we're like, sometimes we get to a point where we, where there's a, I don't know, kind of a, I don't know what you would call it, stalemate maybe, or like a, you know, some kind of uh, point in a conversation where we're button heads and it's just not working. And we'll be like, all right, look, we need to, we need to, move away from this conversation for for a minute and we need to take it to some other person to get some advice or, or something and then come back and finish later.
0: Well, so on that point, sort of, and another tangent short, sort of, but with the business, because I mean, you guys are both certified coaches, uh-huh. Right. How do you structure working with clients? How does that relationship work? Like do you take one client, she takes another depending on what it is, or do you kind of both come in and have a different expertise depending? I'm I'm curious how you guys break that up.
1: It's uh it's a it's a little bit of all of those things. A little bit of all of those things. So some clients uh, some clients were working one-to-one with them. Uh, so I'll take one and she'll take one or something. Uh, other clients were working with, the, with uh, a whole organization of people. Let's say we might be working with a team of a dozen people inside of a, a company. We have a situation like that going on right now. Um, and in an engagement, like, like we do a, we do some different things as coaching. We do some training events with, with teams. Uh, and then we also do individual or small group coaching with them. So sometimes we'll go into a, a company uh, to their place of business and, and conduct some trainings or some conversations with them. And then we might work remotely with them, either via Zoom, like we're doing right now, or over the telephone, uh, something like that. And we've done a combination of things where her and I are um, uh, having a converse, facilitating a conversation or a training event together, uh, and sometimes we'll... Even in this situation with the dozen clients we've, uh, that I just mentioned, or the, or the client where we're working with a dozen people inside of their their team, we've done all of these things. We've done in-person training both together. We've done uh, small group uh, coaching work together, and we've also separated some of those people and sometimes she works; she'll work with some of them and I'll work with some of them.
0: And so I guess if I go a little bit further on that, like, are you, is there certain, um, I, I guess, how do you guys work with, there's so many different ways you can work, but is it, do you go in, is there certain goals that the business has, like, are they seeking you out and saying, okay, these are goals we have to reach, we need help. Or is this something you're going in and and saying you know almost uncovering, turning some stones over, like, hey, did you guys know these problems exist? And they're like, oh, it's interesting. Like, how how, how do you find that you're getting the clients that you're working with, or maybe the best partners that you work with?
1: It's a it's a little bit of both, I actually. Heard um, <laughs> I heard uh, I heard this recently, and I really I just love the way that this guy put it. Uh, he was he was talking about the difference between um, uh, the police and the fire department. Like the the police are out hunting for problems, right? And the fire department waits until something's on fire before they go and address the issue. Right? And a lot of the, the 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 smaller businesses that we're working with. Here, here's the thing about the construction industry: um, the larger companies, your uh, uh, companies that are doing a couple hundred million dollars a year, or you know. There's companies doing a couple billion dollars a year in the construction industry. Those companies, they have it. They they they're smart about culture development and leadership development and relationship development inside of their organizations. A lot of them have what they they'll, they'll call an executive leadership program. So they'll have they'll have something internal. That uh, that is similar to what my wife and I do with the smaller companies. You know, our our target market is uh, a construction company that's doing five to ten million dollars a year, all the way up to about uh, maybe eighty to one hundred million dollars a year. Okay, um, they they're to the point where they're having issues internally, uh, and they but they're only they're only present to the fires when the fires pop up. So some of them know hey we've got some stuff going on and we we need you to come in and and help us take a look and then we uncover stuff as we go along. What we do is we uh we conduct surveys or or some sort of assessment with all of the with the business owner and uh, the the entire team and we uncover all types of we uncover all types of things to work on in terms of the culture, right? But then we also we also create projects where we we intentionally put the put the team together on working on specific projects that are consistent with the key business objectives of the company, and the the KPIs that they that they uh, 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 use to to measure the success of their company, and we and we use that as sort of a container to to help them practice creating a stronger more effective relationship with each other so they're working on a project together that's going to forward the business goals but also it brings to light all of their dysfunction as a uh, as a team and we get in there and we we find you know access points to both training and coaching around those things
0: okay yeah because i'm always curious on the there's so many angles you can take, or there's a lot of things you can do in a small business to, yeah. you know, and make big improvements or vast improvements. Are, are you taking the brunt of it? Do you bring in other help in certain areas? Do you, you know, do, do you kind of throw them in the mix, you know, like almost like a role play type stuff. And ha- it's almost like a, a, a couple's therapy <laughs> and and have them, you know, battle. I'm curious, like what what has been effective for you? Is, and, I, and I'm sure it's different but say kind of the the average, you know, business, smaller business you're working with, what have you found the most effective uh, to maybe get to that next level? Oh man. Um... Like you find because the reason I'm asking this is again, for a lot of different folks that are listening, I, I have to imagine it's either, you know, are you the one, are you always have to tell them like, listen, this is and almost like bang it in their head or do you find that they, if you, if you have certain role play opportunities or ways that, you know, the, the training almost makes them come out and say it like, you know, I get, it's almost like they, it, it's like inception. Like they eventually convince themselves, like, like it's, there's a problem here, you know,
1: it, o- it only works like that. You know, we can, you know, we can come in, um, uh, one of the one of the key distinctions or the key distinction between coaching and consulting is a consultant is the expert that comes into the company and says this is your problem this is what you need to do to fix your problem and then they leave so what you're left with is the same team of human beings that created the problem now going to try to work together and follow the consultant's instructions to fix the problem now that's right. a very right. general way to explain that but it's, uh, it's what happens in a lot of a lot of cases as coaches our job is really to to be more of a guide than we are to be a consultant you know we're not there to, to although we do do some consulting we do do some advice giving but the essence of coaching is a lot different than that A coaching conversation is much more oriented around uh, the client looking to Identify what the issues are, and identify ways of uh, uh, new ways of being to practice and new uh, actions to take in service of moving them closer to what they want. So it's only gonna it's only gonna be most effective if exactly what you just said happens. If they're willing to look in and be vulnerable, be vulnerable and and be like, hey, yeah, something's not working, and here's what I think it is. And then, as a coach, I might say, "Okay, have you considered X, Y, and Z? Or what do you think about this?" And get them really, you know, thinking and talking about what uh, what the you know more more of the uh, details about what the issue is, and looking at other ways to to solve their issue. And that's kind of how we build it from there.
0: Well, and I think one of, the, one of the things you know you're doing is, and and this is the way I look at coaching, and because I you know I used to be a golf instructor, I used to teach golf and Oh, you know, I, yeah. I would, I would, you know, call myself a, a coach really, because it's instilling confidence that people can make the right decision or step yes. out. You know, I think of it, I think of it golf rides, but I think about like growing up playing basketball. It's like, you know, if you're scared to, you know, cause there's better players around you, like sometimes scared to take the shot Yeah, and you have to, the the coach is there to continue to, you know, keep guiding you to actually step up and take that shot maybe when you're nervous or whatever. So I think that's, that's part of it too. Would you agree?
1: It's such a great point, man, because it's uh, so like what we coaches, we actually use this term. We, our goal is to stay off the court because if you think about it in, in basketball, to use that example, right? The, the coach is on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Coach is not on the court playing the game with you. Right. So all that coaching and work that we can do in practice in our, and in our, huddles on the sideline whenever there's a timeout or whatever uh, or halftime uh, that's when we get to interact with you and then it's up to you to be with all of that fear or lack of confidence in that moment where you're you know you're 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 you're, you're playing with your opponent and you need to go and make that shot even when you're not feeling comfortable
0: yeah Man, this is great. I feel like I can talk with you another hour, just kind of, I always like learning about new people and interesting people. I know, like I said, you got such a, a interesting story, um, and with what you and your wife are doing and stuff. So it's really cool. Um, where can people find you online? Where's the best way for them to connect with you or, or find out about, you know, your information?
1: Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, we, um, uh, we're on LinkedIn. Um, my, uh, uh, you can just look me up on LinkedIn, Mick Carbo. So it's Mick M I C K, like Mick Jagger without the Jagger and without the moves, unfortunately. Uh, and my last name is Carbo, like carbohydrate without the hydrate. And um, the website is just uh, our last name, Carbo and coaching.com, dot
0: Any lasting, you know, words? Sometimes I like to kind of throw it back in your quirk. Really, you know, sometimes a quote you live by, maybe it's a great piece of advice you got, or maybe you found has been the most effective, especially for that, maybe that's that entrepreneur that's trying to get out there, step out of their comfort zone. Maybe that's that small business that's looking to take the next step. Any any spark of inspiration, especially during these tough times, um, you know, that could be maybe beneficial for someone to think about a little differently.
1: Be willing to fail. Like, really... Simple and short, but really clear. Like you gotta be willing to fail. If you think about, if you think about um, any great, any great, right? Like any great person who became great at anything, any champion, they were willing to go out and be really bad at something before they were good at it. So that's what I would say. I was like, you know, start, uh, get started. You know, to put away, put away. The, the the fear, the concern, the insecurities, the, the lack of self-confidence or whatever those feelings are. And notice I say, put them away, not get rid of them because they're not going anywhere. Like we're all human beings and that's all part of the human experience. I say, put it away for a minute or you know, move around them, move through them, whatever, but be willing to go out there and fail and be bad at something so as to get really great
0: at it. Yeah, great words. That's a good spot then. end on, I think, Nick. Yeah. Um, cool, dude. I'm uh, glad you came on. I appreciate the time. Glad to uh, connect with you and uh, look forward to uh, staying in touch.
1: Me too, Brian. Thanks so much for having me, man. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks again for everyone for listening on this episode. Hope you all enjoyed it and had some great takeaways. And if you did, please head over to iTunes. I'd certainly appreciate a rating and a review. Let me know how I'm doing. You may be on iTunes right now. You just have to scroll to the bottom of the podcast and you'll see where you can leave a review if you hadn't left one before. Uh, And go connect with me online. I love connecting with new people. Love figuring out what they're doing in their life. How are they kind of getting through it? Um, what are they doing on their journey? So certainly love to connect in any way that you guys want. My website is Brianondraco.com. That's kind of where the, the, the midpoint of everything, you know, intersects. Uh, but if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, just search Brian Draco there or at Brian Andreico on Instagram or Twitter. I spend some time in those spaces as well. So hope to get a chance to meet some of you uh, here in the near future. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.